gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned to the newest edition of the Punchless MMA Podcast. It's your boy, Dale Lippin, in here. Trey, are you cold? Why are you dressed like that, man? My little abominable snowman, the Yeti himself, Trey Van Buskirk. What's up, man? Rocking a jean jacket tonight. You are rocking a jean jacket. I like that, man. I, I like that a lot. A, puts me in a top echelon of people. The James Deans, the, the Bruce Springsteens, the Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, circa early 2000s, bro. Possibly so. Possibly so. It, not anybody can pull off a jean jacket. That one looks soft too. That looks like a weathered denim. That looks like a real soft jean jacket, not a not a crispy, starchy one. That looks real soft. No, no, paid extra for this for sure. You paid extra for that. You actually paid for a jean jacket. That's good. This That's is a good, this man. is a nine leg parlay jacket right here. Nine leg parlay. You got a nine leg parlay cooked up for us this week. I do, man. I do. This is uh. My back is against the wall. I got $20.69 left in my account. Nice little balance there. But right. um, listeners, be warned. At the end of this episode, I will deliver my plays. I will no longer lag. My plays will not be delivered on fight day. They are locked. They are done. They're in the can. This is it, man. This is it. You're ready to rock and roll? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got a cannonball. You're just going to shoot a cannonball. That's it. This is I it. like so, it. You know, it's actually, you know, it's funny. So today is the 25th anniversary of what? Is this MMA related? Should I know this? No, it's um, life related, I guess. 25th anniversary of something that's, gosh, I don't know, man. What is it? Happy Gilmore. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was just going to know. I mean, well, in defense of me, I do know a lot of silly things like that, but I did not know that. I say that because to me, you seem like Shooter McGavin, dude. You're four. You're up, you're up by four on the back nine, but you're about to blow that lead, dude. I'm going to start just freaking walloping, you know, aces on par fours and fives, dude. This is it. Backs against the wall. Massive parlay. Going to come out of my hole, show the world what's up, and I will usurp you. Listen, you you have to play the ball as it lies, you know. And where where you're at right now, you've got twenty dollars left. You have to play the ball where it lies. Should you zero out, you know what's at stake. Uh, you'll have to buy your way back in. So I don't need to tell you what to do. You're a grown man. You can make your own decisions. Yeah, mulligan, I guess, would be the the formidable term. Yeah, you are you. you the more formal term, it would be a mulligan. Yeah, you can you can use a mulligan. All right, so UFC 258 took place last weekend. We saw Kamara Usman beat Gilbert Burns after being rocked badly in the first round. And I just want to address something, man. It I, I'm nauseous with the idea of people constantly crowning people the new greatest of all time. And I'm a little bit in my feelings about people putting Usman, uh, you know, in the greatest of all time category. In particular, your boy, Brendan Schaub. Mm. Oh, what did what did what did Shabby say? He's making the argument that Usman is the greatest welterweight of all time. 
said that the quality of opponent that he has faced in his four title defenses is far superior than the 12 title defenses of one George Rush St. Pierre. Now he's just trying to get him on food truck diaries, dude. That's the whole reason he doesn't believe that. There's no way he believes that. I don't know how anybody could. No, I, there's, there's no way. And to be honest, like, Sure, uh, the 13 wins in the welterweight division, uh, you beat GSP there. But let's talk title defenses. And it's like you said uh, pretty repetitively, let's look at the strength of schedule, quality of competition. It, it's it's unparalleled. I, I would agree. But he's saying that the guys, the, let's say, let's just go to the four title fights that Kamar Usman has. The four of those guys are vastly superior to anybody that GSP beat. <laughs> Jeez, dude. I don't even yeah. know how you address such a thing. It's ludicrous. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. So. You, you know what I was thinking about? Um, I was telling you about how much of a dork I think Marty Newsman is. Uh, yes. Marty Picker Newsman. And uh, it, his post-fight interview was the most cringy thing. People know that Henry Cejudo, when he goes on the mic, it's all an act. Like, he's not really right. that guy. When cringe meets Usman, it's – that's part of his life. That's, that's that's when he yawns. That's what actually comes out is just that cringiness. Um, I don't want him to be champ. I want Colby to get another shot at it because I do think that Colby with his cardio, his output, regardless of Usman's jab, I think Colby deserves to be the king of that welterweight division right now. I think that, I think that Colby is rightly deserving of the title shot. Um, I, they're not going to do it. And Usman seems completely uninterested in that fight. Um, I think that he washes, you know, I think he washes Jorge Masvidal if they yeah. fight again. I don't even think it's remotely close. I think with a full camp and Masvidal motivated and street Jesus to the nine, um, doing some sort of street level sacrament, I think maybe Usman beats him 50 45 across all cards. I really, I mean, that's just, it's not even close. Jorge Masvidal on his best day uh, is going to get washed by a guy like, like Usman. I, I just I wholeheartedly believe that. I, I think that Masvidal is a a journeyman with a lot of hype on him right now, and he's got the he's got the the marketing team behind him. I don't think people should be uh, I don't think people should be very convinced by the fact that uh, that that Masvidal is some sort of I don't know elite level contender. Trying to find the right words here, so uh, I think I think Usman stays the champ for the foreseeable future. Colby is probably the best hope of somebody beating him, or a creative Wonder Boy. If Wonder Boy's got one great good war left in him, maybe. But even then, I think Usman for the foreseeable. But we have seen that he can be rocked. That's and I've said this before. His chin is the only question mark in his game. Uh, he he is easily rocked. He does not respond well to power. Um, and Gilbert. Burns a 155er, and he put him on the stanky legs, uh, but he was able to adapt and overcome and get that W on Saturday night. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, go ahead, dude. What you got? Oh, no. I was just going to say, outside of that, I thought the biggest thing, and I think we have to touch upon it, is uh, my boy, the Greek god himself, Adolfo Vieira, blowing yeah. up everyone's nights. He destroyed everybody's night, um, essentially made Vegas tons of money um, by having one of the worst performances inside the octagon in recent memory. Not to take anything away from Senor Hernandez, who did exactly what he needed to do to win the fight and did so in convincing fashion. I, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from my man Fluffy, 
but Hadolfo really pooped the bed there. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Fluffy either because his takedown defense and his, um, I guess, hand and wrist control in in those scrambles was really, really well. He prepared perfectly. I think the thing that I was most shocked about is I've watched Hadolfo his entire career in ADCC. I know what type of cardio that guy has. I know that with transitions, I know that he's he's durable. And for him, after one scramble and one you know attempted, uh, what was it? He went from a, an arm bar to Kimura, like you know, a couple transitions here and there, and he gasses. And then not even that on the guillotine that Hernandez actually got, even even prior to him sinking in that guillotine, Hadolfo is already ready to tap. He has his hand out like this, and he's like, "I'm done." The dude gassed. I don't want to say steroids, but I'm going to say steroids. You don't look like that and have a gas tank that only lasts five minutes. It doesn't work like that. I don't know if they didn't have the EPO testing or maybe he didn't get hit with USADA is crazy, but that was clearly something outside the realm. Um, I was super pissed. I'm pissed. Um, you know me. I'm always going to bet with jiu-jitsu guys. And on this upcoming card we have right now, there are some jiu-jitsu guys that I'm going to fare with. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping they're going to have a better gas tank than that absolute joke we saw on Saturday. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was trying to power his way through the submissions. Like he just thought he was going to be strong enough. And then the other thing that you can't discount too is the adrenaline dump. That's a real thing, you know, and he got himself into an advantageous position very quickly in the fight and tried to just use strength to execute everything that he was doing. So you have the adrenaline dump of thinking you're getting ready to win. And then the, the idea that you're trying to power yourself into every position as opposed to, you know, enter that flow state, if you will, and allow your body to do some of the work for you. He literally tried to will a win into existence and it just didn't work. It just did not work. Um, so I can, I, I absolutely uh, can see how the gas tank went that fast. I just don't, I was not anticipating that. I don't think anybody was, everybody was anticipating the, the takedown in the first 30 seconds. Um, mm -hmm. What did not happen was that was the knockout and that, you know, our him not getting the, the submission shortly thereafter. Nobody expected that. All right, let's keep things moving right along. Let's get into this card. But before we do, we just want to remind everybody that this show is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. If you go to Stay Classy Meats, use promo code FIST. You can save 10% on your entire order. The best meat on the planet Earth delivered directly to your door. This show has also been brought to you by Bet Online. If you go to Bet Online, use code ARMCHAIR. You can take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses that are available to you uh, by using code armchair at BetOnline and help follow along with this 100 to 1K challenge that we're currently in the mix of. So, yeah, that's what, I, that's, all I got. that's what I got for you for right now, Trey. That's what I got. We also got is probably the most American company on the planet, Allegiance Clothing. And, guys, outside of just utilizing the code PUNCH at AllegianceClothing.com and getting 15% off site-wide, you have an opportunity to buy the sickest shirt of all time. And this is not bias. It's not bias. It's Punchless MMA. It's in this deep blood red color. I've worn maroon shirts before. I've worn American red colors before, but I've never had a blood red color. That Pantone color, you have to dive deep into those Pantones to find that blood red. Yeah. Agents Clothing found that blood red. They slapped our logo on the front. They put their logo on the sleeve. They threw our logo on the back. That thing's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, if you guys want to don that, you can pre-order it right now. It's going to, I think, believe uh, it's on pre-order for the next two or three weeks. Um, you Until can March 1st. March 1st. You, you um, can use the code PUNCH and get 15% off that sick shirt, and then you can get it delivered right to your door. Guys, go to allegianceclothing.com, punch 15%. Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, address something in the chat real quick. Complicated nineteen. We were at hundred. We started, uh, and then I was at I was at one fifty going at the at the end of week one, and then I got smacked on week two. We both did. So thank you for comp. Thank you, complicated nineteen. I appreciate you bringing that to everybody's attention that we are getting currently we're cur currently getting our asses kicked. So thank you for that. I appreciate you. Uh, but that does not mean that we we aren't what. I'm just not. I'm not sure if complicated nineteen believes in miracles. Is this I don't either. Do not believe in miracles. I don't. I don't. I don't. Listen. I don't know who it is. Um, <laughs> you know. I, I. I don't know who this is, but they look. Uh, I, they look strangely familiar. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, anyway. Here's the thing, Trey. Is that we put a little thing out the other day, and yeah. uh, we have one one more ad read we need to knock out here. We partnered up with eBay, uh, in particular the sneaker department. I wear Dad Force ones. Do you? Are you a sneaker guy at all? No, I'm sandals and barefoot. You're 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 a sandals and barefoot kind of guy. All right, well, Ugg boots. Ugg boots. Yeah, you wear Uggs and sandals, which is is a very strange combination. Uh, but all the same, uh, if you are if you are a sneakerhead or you just need the, the latest pair of all white New Balances to cut the grass in, if you have a yard, uh, <laughs> you can go you can go to eBay.com/sneakers. And cop yourself a pair. It's an authenticated, verified marketplace, so you can get all the rarest shoes on the market if need be. Or you can cop yourself a brand new pair of Dad Force Ones, like your boy here. Uh, I don't, I don't get too frivolous when it comes to sneaker game. So I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm just straight into the dad mode now, man. I want, I want comfort more than anything else. So, all right, <laughs> all right, let's get into this thing. All right, we are without producer Jake tonight. Those of you who are aware, producer Jake is in Texas. And the great state of Texas has a layer of ice over top of it. So Jake has no power. Jake has no internet. Jake is not here tonight. So if it seems like there's a little bit of delay in what Trey and I are doing, it's because we are running the show solo right now. And we are not used to doing this because we're babies. And we usually depend on other people to do this for us. So internet. Trey, yes. internet, yes. I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the lead-ins. If you can throw up the odds, can we make that happen? I think I can do this. Let's you think you can do that? Use the mouse. I got it. We've got everything. I got everything taken care of. I just need you to do that. I'm, can I'm you good, dude. I'm ready. Are you up to the Where task? do you want to start is the question. You ready? We're, I'm ready. We're going to start the first fight of the main card. Andre Arlovsky taking on Tom Aspinall. Andre Arlovsky at 30 and 19 taking on Tom Aspinall at 9 and 2. Give me my fight odds. There we go. Andre Arlovsky is at a plus 200. Tom Aspinall is at a minus 255. Over and on rounds here, Trey, is at one and a half. What do you think here, man? Because I personally feel very strongly about this fight, but I want to know what you think. Dude, Aspinall, 14 years younger than Arlovsky. We've been betting. I don't even know. I've been betting against Arlovsky his past two fights. I think he just continues to show us that this veteran dude who can get it done on the feet. He can pepper you enough. I don't think he's going to put you out. Uh, but Aspinall's a quicker, quicker kid. This is a guy that is going to have a two-inch reach advantage. He's going to have the height. He's going to have the footwork. I think this is someone where this British heavyweight is someone that is going to make some movement in that division. And Arlovsky is that name that the UFC wants to you know, put on the mantle. Um, I think that the value, I would 100%. Arlovsky being the wisdom and you know having uh, what he does in his arsenal at plus 200, why not sprinkle a little bit? I'm going to do it for sure. Um, I don't really have the cash at $20.69, but if I find a couple pennies, I'm going to throw some towards Andre. 
Tom Aspinall should get this done though. I think that um, he's coming up fast again. He's got the power, he's got the technique and he's going to have the reach advantage. So I love it. Yeah. If, if you look at Andre Arlovsky, his last four fights, three wins and in, in his last four fights, all four fights, he was a betting underdog for, and he's got three wins in those four fights. Like I said, so in that regard, um, I think we're a little bit removed from the days of Andre Arlovsky being chinny. I, I say this with all due hesitance mm-hmm. uh, because he did have that streak of knockout losses, but the guy is a veteran. He is savvy and you're, he's coming up on 40 or I'm sorry, 50 professional fights here. This will be his 50th time fighting professionally inside of a cage. I'm going to take him here at the plus 200 just based mm. on the value alone. Mm. I, I think a guy that's won three out of his last four was a betting underdog in all four of those fights and has been victorious three out of those four times and has 50 fights on his record. I'm going to take him over the guy that only has nine wins. Um, and, you know, honestly, while his his UFC run has been impressive thus far, a fat Jake Collier, even though Jake Collier made me look stupid a couple weeks ago, I'm not buying into the Tom Aspinall hype just yet. I know a lot of people are. A lot of people love him. Uh, but, you know, beating Jake Collier and beating Alan Badeau, that's not that's not ringing the alarm saying we got a new hot prospect on our hands here. He's going to beat Andre Arlovsky. I'm going to take Andre until I see him lose. Uh, he continues to be a prospect killer. Just ask Tanner Bozer uh, what that's like. He's just – he finds ways to win fights. He's that – that level of active for a heavyweight where he can score with the judges and not get knocked out. I'm going to take Andre Arlovsky for the time being. I may be proven wrong, but at plus 200, it's a value play if nothing else. That's fine. Uh, see, I used to bet on Andre Arlovsky just because of his pit bull mouth guard, dude. That thing is so intimidating. I mean, how do you not? You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's a very good point. All right, next fight. I, I, I'm not sure if this is actually – this is not one that I would have picked to be on the main card, so maybe my list is a little outdated here. But I have Rafael Alves versus Pat Sabatini as the next fight on the main card. Rafael Alves minus 195, Pat Sabatini plus 160. Over-under on rounds here, Trey, is at one and a half. How, I'm leaning Alves. I think it's a pretty cut-and-dry fight that Alves should be able to get done. Does Sabatini have a chance here? What are your thoughts? <laughs> this is where the transparency is going to really come into play guys. I, I feel like I know the UFC roster through and through. I could swear to God. I don't know these guys. Dale, I'm going to have to defer to you, dude. I do. Maybe, maybe you're going to figment of my imagination here, but I literally cannot remember a fight. These guys have fought in no idea. Okay. Sorry. So I mean, and no, I'm it's our, transparent. It's, yeah. Dude. So right. I know, I know Alves from his contender series win. So he had that contender series win. It was a guillotine choke, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember who it was that he fought. Um, gosh, I cannot remember what the cat's name was. Uh, and then Pat Sabatini, admittedly, I've never seen fight before, uh, but he does fight out of CFFC. So I, I, it, it, honestly, I'm just going to defer to the guy who I think has faced better competition here. And I'm going to say that um, – I'm going to say that that Vegas has it right, minus 195. So I'll go Alves yeah. here. I, I'm, this isn't going to show up on my betting card on Saturday night. So I'm, you know, if you are thinking about playing this fight, super. Maybe you know more about these guys than I do. Great. Hats off to you. Shoot me a DM on 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 Instagram and let me know how to bet this fight. But I'm just going to go off Alves. I saw him win on Contender Series. I feel like that's a bit better proving proving ground than CFFC. I'm just going to take that win. I'll, I'll take it and ride it minus 195. Say that Vegas has it right and this isn't a trap. I'm okay with it. 
I'll just leave it at that. That's cool. I don't know who the fuck these guys are, so that's cool. All right, Chris Dock is taking on Alexi Olenek. Chris Dock is at 10 and 3. Alexi Olenek, Trey, 59, 14, and 1. 59, 14, and 1. It does not, you really don't find a guy on the roster with that much experience. Alexi Olenek, plus 140 underdog, taking on Chris Dock at 170 over on our rounds here, is at 1.5. I feel like the under is a good play here. But I also love a guy with damn near 70 pro fights, man. I, I'm a real big fan of I've say I say it all the time. Experience is the currency of combat. And Alexi Olenek, he, there's not many guys out there that have more experience than him. Chris Dawkins is a hot prospect. He can get it done on the hands or with the hands or on the ground. But can he get it done with against a guy like Alexi Olenek? Man, I, I'm not going to go with strength of schedule at all with Chris Dawkins because he knocked out Parker Porter, probably the fattest dude on in that division. I mean, and it was a, it was late. It was like third round, like ten seconds left or whatever it was. Um, Alexi Olenek, on the other hand, in his last fight, I thought the dude was just kind of plodding forward. What what are you always worried about with Alexi Olenek? It's a submission game. It's going to be him somehow getting into the ground, getting into that head and arm choke, trying to go, uh, you know do some clockwork on it. I just think that everyone knows his game. I think Chris Dawkins is going to be a guy that's going to use better footwork. He's going to keep, keep it at bay. He's going to have the better striking Alexis. I mean, there's no, I mean, it's no question. The dude's old. Um, he doesn't have the striking. He's a very one dimensional fighter, irregardless of his crazy, crazy, uh, record, both amateur and professional. I, don't want to go Alexiak. I kind of want to go Chris Dawkins here. And I think over one and a half is going to be much, much of a safer play because I don't think Chris is going to want to engage knowing that tight bodies, quick submissions, stay away, move around the cage. That's you what think? I'm thinking. Yeah, think? dude. I think that's what I'm thinking. All right, man. All right. Well, be that as it may, I think, I think Olenek gets it done, man. Um, that's just that's how I'm feeling. I I know he's one dimensional, but he sat down Mark Hunt with a jab. Um, his striking is as good as he needs it to be, and he closes the distance well. He knows exactly what he needs to do to close the distance. He even if it's a bull rush, he can get it done. And once he gets hands on you, he gets that he lives up to that boa constrictor moniker. If he can get a hold of something, he's gonna wrap it up. Um, you know, but I don't know. That's 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 really. I'm really kind of thinking that Olenek, my biggest concern with him is that he's coming off that arm injury because he tore up his whole arm trying to do that. Um, what what was that? That um, uh, that like scarf hold or whatever it was against Derek Lewis, man. I mean, that was like an old school catch wrestling move, man. He literally was just cranking on that giant melon of Derek Lewis and the process ripped everything in his arm. Um, that's my only concern is him coming back. What's the grip strength? What's the arm strength going to be like? Cause if I'm not mistaken, he had to like get cut from like forearm to bicep to repair everything. That's my biggest concern with him. I think the, I think the under one and a half is good here based primarily on the fact that a Linux going to try, like you said, to get a submission early while everybody's dry. And if he can't, it's going to leave himself open to getting pieced up on the hands with Chris Dawkins. I don't believe Dawkins is going to submit Alexi Olenek. I think his his path to victory is a knockout. Yeah. So I think we get an, an Alexi Olenek that looks a lot like a Hadolfo Rivera or Vieira rather on Saturday night where he's going to he's going to take everything he has for five minutes and try to get a sub. And if he can't, he's dead in the water, much like we saw in the fight against Derek Lewis. Um, 
you know, that was he had one round where he looked all right, and then 10 seconds into round two, he's hit and then he's done. Bro, you've said this from the beginning, especially in the Apex cage, dude. This is a cage that it's the sacrificial to the MMA gods prospect yep. versus veteran. It's the same thing we're seeing with, you know, the Andre Olovsky fight versus Tom Aspinall, someone that's 12 years there younger. Or no, that's 14 years. This is a 12-year younger fighter, someone who's going to be a little bit more hungry, again, better footwork and more energetic, in and out, in and out, to someone that plods forward and is very slow to the counter. This is something where I just see the sacrifice just going right on that silver tray and just saying, take Take he, take he. No, it's, all right, all right. So we think Olympics going up to the MMA gods. All right, you're on your own there. All right, Derek Minner at 25 and 11, taking on Charles Rosa at 13 and four. Like I said, Derek Minner with a wealth of experience over Charles Rosa. Charles Rosa has a hard time finding fights, and when he does, uh, he he is he's been doing well as of late. Not completely sold on him here though. Derek Minner plus 155, Charles Rosa minus 190. Over under on rounds is that two and a half tray um how you feeling here is charles rosa gonna be able to quit his job as a chef slash sue cook or whatever he is in miami and be able to uh afford to be a full-time fighter with a win over Derek minner on saturday night dude i think the ufc's wanted Derek minner to be or i'm sorry to uh, charles rosa to be the next guy look at look at his resume dude freaking killers okay. maria rodriguez shane burgos like the guys fought the who's who I don't think he's fought in like a quick minute, though, right? I mean, he hasn't he fought, fought Kevin Aguilar in... back in June, June of last June? year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I mean that Bryce Mitchell, like, dude, he's fought killer of killers. So his his record is not not indicative of the type of skills this guy has. He's going to have a two inch reach advantage. Um, he, you know, the good camp att um I, I think he's a guy that's going to come in he's going to be just very well rounded i think that experience is going to weigh exponentially in this fight derek minner i just i just don't think outside of his you know he's going to have that wrestling he's going to be able to like you know clinch you up against the cage and i think he is going to be coming into that that clinch work. He's going to do the sharp elbows. He's going to keep it quick, try and get your butt on the mat. But Charles Rosa, again, I think is just going to have that reach advantage. He's going to keep things at distance. I think this thing's going to be, I like outset two and a half. I kind of see this an over decision play. I think Rosa squeaks this thing out. Yeah, I think Rosa gets it done here. I think if you look at Derek Minner's, you know, opponents that he's faced, he's really lost to every person that he's fought that's UFC level talent. Um, Charles Rosa does have some wins. He has faced killers. He does have the, you know, as far as strength of schedule is concerned, I think he has the advantage there. I think minus 190 is actually a pretty decent price on him here. Usually mm -hmm. minus 190 sits a little bit, you know, it's a little too pricey for my blood. I don't necessarily always like to touch 190s, but I'm looking at Charles Rosa as a parlay piece. I think he, I think he beats Derek Minner. I think under two and a half is a viable option as well here. But I also I really like Rosa as a parlay piece. I think I think strength of schedule, skill set, everything uh, that we've seen out of Charles Rosa would indicate that he can beat a guy like Derek Minner and do so pretty pretty easily. Uh, well, I don't want to say easily; it's a fist. He should be able to beat him decidedly. There he goes. A better way to put it. Um, yeah. Would you have put this as the co-main event? I just I, I need to know. Yana Kuniskaya versus Ketlin Vieira. We just talked about Yana the other day. Yana Kuniskaya at 13 and 5, Trey. Ketlin Vieira at 11 and 1. Is this your pick for co main event here? 
Absolutely, yes. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Yana Kuniskaya plus two fifteen. Ketlin Vieira minus two seventy five. Over and around is at two and a half. I'll tell you what, man. I love me some Yana Kuniskaya at underdog money. <laughs> I love. I, listen, here's my thing, and I'm going to start tracking it. I'm just going to play every women's underdog from here on out. I, okay. Whether we're doing the whether we're doing a one whether we're doing any challenge or not, I'm betting every women's underdog. I feel like if you put standardized bets on every women's fight, like whether it's just a hundred bucks or ten bucks or fifty bucks or whatever your budget is on women's fights, and you always bet the underdog at the end of the year, you're going to come out plus money. I, I'm I I feel confident in this to the point where I'm going to implement it for the rest of 2021. I'm betting on every women's underdog from here on out flat rate bet and i'm going to see what i end up at so just i'm just letting you know now so yana is seeing my money <laughs> dude really but yes she's gonna win she's going to win this fight Catlin Vieira has no Where? gas tank she has no gas tank if she can't knock yana out she does not have the skills to win it anywhere else she has to knock her out yana kunitskaya what does she do she grabs you she pushes you up against the cage she holds on to you and that's it. That's she fine. just holds on to you, and she does just enough to keep the ref from standing you up. That's all she does. Real quick, I want to address this in the chat. Except for Nunez and Shevchenko, I'm actually going to bet on Megan Anderson to beat Amanda Nunez. I'm just letting you know now. Just God. letting you know now, I'm going Megan Anderson against oh Amanda God, Nunez. Dude. I'm doing it. I'm Jeez. doing it. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to do it. Megan Anderson is going to use those avatar legs, and she's going to kick that. You know how I feel about people that just have kids. Having kids makes you soft. And Amanda Nunez just had a kid. She's going to lose. She's going to lose to Megan Anderson. She didn't have the kid. What are you talking about? She didn't have the kid. She didn't birth the kid. Donald Cerrone didn't birth his kids, but he's won one fight since his his wife rifled out two of them. <laughs> <laughs> this, okay. Jared, Jared says this is why we're almost out of money. Maybe so, Jared. Maybe <laughs> so. It doesn't mean I'm not going to bet on Megan Anderson. Oh man, dude. I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. With, with with Yana, you are correct that she is going to lay you up against the cage. She's going to try mm -hmm. and get down the to the ground. The thing is, Vieira has the greatest takedown defense, I believe, in that division. She never gets taken down. <laughs> she fights the hands dude never she stops okay. every takedown every single time and when you when you go tit for tat tit for tat <laughs> poor Sorry. choice of words poor choice of words <laughs> poor choice of words <laughs> when they're both standing dude caitlin is gonna have the better striking she does She's she's got way more technically sound strike, and she actually has pop. Giannis is one of those type of strikes, and I talked about this with a collection of women MMA fighters. She's someone that can pepper you and is going to make that noise and try and play to the judges. But when it comes to power, that's going to be met with your fist to face. Caitlin is going to have that. She's gonna she's gonna negate the takedown. She's gonna keep it away. She's gonna pop Yana. I see this thing inside the distance. I'm taking Vieira. I think this isn't even a question. There's a reason she's at minus 275. Awesome. You should add her to your parlay. Make sure you add her to your parlay. I can't, bro. I would. I just don't have cash. I don't have yeah. any money, money left. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I have no money. Money talks. Money talks. All right. Main event of the evening, Curtis Blades. Curtis Razor Blades at 14 and 2, taking on Derek Lewis at 24 and 7. The Black Beast himself. Uh, they would have you believe that Derek Lewis has been doing all kinds of stuff. That his back is fixed. 
that he's been running a lot, that he looks lean, he looks mean, he looks ready to rock and roll. Going up against a guy like Curtis Blades, he's going to need all of those things. Derek Lewis at a plus 325 against Curtis Blades, minus 425. Over on around here, Trey is at one and a half. Too rich of a play as far as I'm concerned to put any money on Curtis Blades unless he is a parlay piece. Outside of that, I'm not touching him. Um, it's not worth the, the great risk that comes with his kryptonite, and that is power punchers. If you look at his two losses, who's he got those losses to? The one and only Francis Ngannou, who hits like a Mack truck, apparently, uh, because he has rocked Curtis both times they fought. That being said, I thought the second stoppage uh, was a little preemptive when they fought the second time. I thought that fight was I thought that fight ended a little early for my blood, but that's okay. Uh, it, he's going to get to run it back. Those guys will fight again. I'm sure of it, given the landscape of the heavyweight division. But his kryptonite is power punches. If Derek Lewis can somehow, by the grace of the good Lord, stop a takedown, he will give Curtis Blades problems. But dude, he really has a hard, hard task in front of him in stopping what will be a Curtis Blades that is not going to piss around. He's going to take him down and he's going to try to get him out. I like the over one and a half here more than anything else here. Um, I think, you know, I think Derek Lewis does just enough to not get submitted by a weak submission game of Curtis Blades. My only concern is a disadvantageous position ground and pound that the referee stops it because Derek Lewis cannot improve position, i.e. a crucifix position or some sort of thing where he's mashed up against the cage. Outside of that, I think he can survive a round. I think he can survive most of the second round, but it's going to get lopsided. It's going to get lopsided in a hurry. Over one and a half is what I like here more than anything else. Yeah, I love the over over one and a half for sure, Um, especially with someone – um, I mean, we've seen Lewis, I mean, what does he say? He's the best white belt or blue belt in Texas or whatever. So, I mean, he knows what this fight is. It's a guy in Curtis blades who averages about six takedowns over the course of three rounds. This is a guy that has one. He's, I'm not, he's not one dimensional, but his plan of action is literally to shoot, get this thing and lay on top. I don't know if he's a finisher. We didn't see that really in the Volkov fight. Lewis, though, he, he's dealt with wrestlers or people that try to take him down before. He's done it with uh, Olenek. He's done it with Cormier. He's been with people that wrestle heavy and want to lay and do some ground and pound. He knows what he's coming into. I think that we are going to see a blitzing approach by Lewis, you know, given cardio issues in the past. I mean, he has cut weight a little bit. Um, he looks a little bit more athletic than in years prior. But Curtis Blades is someone that's just going to wear you like a wet blanket, push you up against the cage, and try and get your butt on the mat. Um, I like the over one and a half because I do think that Derek Lewis is durable enough. Um, dude, who was that guy that uh, Lewis fought? Why am I blanking? Um, that moved up from light heavyweight, small dude, um, bald. Why am I blanking? That Lewis Alir Latifi? Alir Latifi. Same exact thing, dude. Ayer Latifi pushed him up against the cage, elongated that whole fight, and the judges obviously just saw Lewis and someone that was trying to progress it with some big strikes. Ayer Latifi won that fight. Um, Curtis Blades is, you know, version 7.0 of Ayer Latifi when it comes to type of wrestling like that. Uh, I think that I don't see him getting it done, so that's why I like the over one and a half. I think that's the only value play you're going to get. So, yes, I love it. Interesting take. Interesting take. So you thought you thought that despite the fact that Lewis got a unanimous decision over Alir Latifi, you thought Alir Latifi won that fight. Yeah, absolutely. You did it? Okay. I did. Did I did. I just, I I did. I just, I'm the one that usually, um, I'm usually the one that has like 
they're big discrepancies with stuff like that. So usually, I mean, it's not, it's not, you're usually kind of like the devil's advocate for the judges. So I just, mm. I just wanted to, I don't know. I just wanted to, that sort of took me back a little bit. That's all. Here's the thing, right? Is that I think that, I think that blades can get this done. My concern is, is that he's overlooking Derek Lewis mm -hmm. because I have, I have, I have motivation concerns for both of these men. So if you're Curtis blades, you're taking this fight because you want to stay active because there's no chance that you're getting a title shot anytime soon. You've got Nganu versus Stipe coming up, right? Which, Lord help us, hopefully that fight happens because the heavyweight division is the slowest moving of all of them. <laughs> yeah. And then the winner of that, uh, we've had we have reason to believe is going to fight John Jones sometime this summer. If if whoever the winner of the Stipe and Ganu fights com comes out relatively healthy. We've got John Jones versus whoever in the summertime. Then let's say somebody, it, it, you know, stays relatively healthy out of that. That belt isn't going to get def defended again until Christmas time. So if you're Curtis Blades, you're not looking to fight only in, uh, I don't know, what are we in now, February and then, um, you know, December, November time frame, and that's in a perfect case scenario. Do you think Curtis Blades is going to go all summer, all fall without fighting again? No. And then let's just say, you know, Ngannou wins both of those fights. Are they really going to book Curtis Blades versus Francis Ngannou three for a title? No. So he's in such a weird spot, man. So I don't know what the motivation is here other than to collect a paycheck. And if my concern is he overlooks a Derek Lewis. Now, if you're Derek Lewis, my concern with motivation comes from the fact that if you remember Derek Lewis won, at least me, before he decided he wanted to become this character where he tried to be funny all the time when he was just being more genuine. Um, a couple years ago when he was just winning and like alternating wins and losses, he said he was just happy he was able to pay his house off. And then he said he wanted to just fight again so he could buy a car. And then he was going to retire. Like he was like, I just want to pay off my bills and then I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Now, all of a sudden, he's in the game like for the long haul. Mm. Well, he's nowhere close to a title shot because they're, mm. again, if he beats Curtis Blades, super. You think they're going to book him versus Francis and Ganu again? Widely considered one of the worst fights of all time? No. No. no, and then you can't sell him versus John Jones. That's like putting a toddler up against a grown man. John Jones will murder him. So there's nothing you can, I mean, both of these guys, what are we fighting for? What do you do next other than collect a paycheck? So that's my big concern. Uh, I like over one and a half. I said a lot where very little could have done. I like over one and a half Curtis Blades and over one and a half. That's where I'm at. See, I, I like the old mentality though. Like that's how I live my life, Dale. Like, it work. It's not like, Oh, can I get a promotion? It's like, how can I get a bonus to get a golf cart? You know what I mean? Same thing with, with, with the, these guys. It's like, I want to pay my house off, dude. I want a golf cart, dude. This race to a grand is for a fucking golf cart. Why are you talking shit about my golf cart? <laughs> I don't know. So like of all, like you want to try, like you're a trash talk. I mean, so normally you trash talk me because like, I, I have a button up on. So you trash talk me out of my button up, and now you're gonna try to golf cart shame me, Hi, bro. I'm just, I'm just telling the people, dude, that you bought a golf cart, man. Like I, I did buy a golf cart. I had, I had a, I had. Listen, 2020 was bad for some people. It was good for me. I bought a golf cart. Why are you hating on me? No, nah, I'm just saying, like, you know, let's not put it into the podcast. Let's fucking buy a golf cart, dude. I love your mentality, dude. <laughs> it's good.
I just I love where our priorities are at, bro. Listen, man, it is important that I get to ride around in style in my neighborhood, man. I got to keep up with the Joneses, bro. You know how my neighborhood is, man. Everybody's got, we all have golf carts here. So, you know, I got to, I got to, I got to keep up with, I got to keep up with the rest, man. All right. Well, I need to get to a grand to get to your neighborhood, bro. I appreciate, I appreciate, I appreciate you shaming me in front of everybody. That's fun. (laughs) That's fun. All right. I don't even know what, I don't even know what the next fight is. You got me so (laughs) off topic here. Jamal Emmers. At 18 and five, taking on Chaz, the scrapper Skelly at 18 and four. My pick for possibly maybe the best value on the card is Chaz mm-hmm. Skelly taking on Jamal Emmers here. Chaz Skelly plus 195, Jamal Emmers at a minus 235 over on rounds at two and a half. This fight should be closer odds wise. Chaz Skelly has a skill set that presents problems for everybody as long as he can implement his game plan. And his game plan is exactly that. He wants to stand and exchange a little tiny bit, and then he wants to press you up against the cage, take you down, and dominate you with that weird wide back, funny, like kind of torso thing that he's got going on. He lays heavy, like you say, lead blanket, and it's a wrap. I like Chaz Skelly here. Minus 195. I'm taking him as a dog. I'm just letting you know he's showing up on my list on Saturday. I love me good wrestlers with cardio, and Chaz Skelly is that. Not to mention the fact that his nickname is the Scrapper. And what do I say I like with my underdogs? What do I say I like? Guys that will fight for your money. And Chaz Skelly will always fight for your money. Plus 195. I'm putting a little money on him because I know I'm at least going to get a decent effort out of him. And he's going to put himself in a position to possibly win that fight. That's all you can ask when you're taking big underdogs. Put yourself in a position to win the fight. And Chaz Skelly will do that for you. Plus 195. I'm taking my boy Chaz. Chaz Kelly is one of those dudes that's super unorthodox um, on the feet, but when it gets to the ground, if he gets on your back, you're going to get submitted. He's a great jiu-jitsu artist, a great grappler, and what I love about this fight more than anything is Jamal Evers is a guy that's going to come in and die on his shield. He has 10 wins inside the distance, 7 via knockout. He's a guy that, you know, I think the UFC one makes something of him a little bit. Um, you know, he had his knockout win in a contender series. And then he got that late replacement of uh, Giga chicken days that came in lost and via split decision very narrowly. When you're going to get Giga, who we think is a great fighter, you know, he's, he's game. He's a game opponent, but he is a guy that can get overtly aggressive. He can get emotional in his fight. He can close the distance. And I think that fits Chaz Skelly so great. He needs those interactions. He needs those scrambles where he can utilize that unorthodoxness and find a submission and get you out of there. I love the play at plus 195. Chaz Skelly, dude. It sounds like a jazz instrumentalist, dude. I love it. Let's do it. I just just figured you were going with Chaz Skelly because it sounds like you two could possibly be related. Chaz and Trey. You know, like that's just your that's just your brother. You guys are like on a Christmas card together wearing matching outfits. Sounds like something. That sounds like a, uh, like your brother's name could be named Chaz. That's cool. That sounds like a Brad thing you're trying to go for me right now, but that's cool. No, I'm just I, I'm just saying Chaz, Trey, Brad, they all they're all very, very similar. Um yeah, we're both part of the same fraternity, Alpha Data Dubakai. Let's just be real here. Let let's let's just I know you'll probably get crap for it, but why don't you just tell everybody what frat you were actually in instead of making up one? I was not a frat. Just just tell everybody what frat you were in, man. Uh, I I pledged I didn't get in. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Nah, just joking, dude. Uh, You did get in. I know. All right. (laughs) 
That's all right. I'm not going to embarrass you in front of your frat bros. All right, Sergey Spivak at 11 and two, taking on Jared Vandera at 11 and four. Boy, oh boy, do I love me some Sergey Spivak, man! And it's mostly just because of the nickname. That's really just kind of what does it for me more than anything else. If you're going to go by the polar bear, you better be able to live up to the moniker. Minus 245, taking on Jared Vandera, plus 205 under over under on round strays at one and a half, looking kind of juicy. Uh, I think these guys are going to get after it. They're going to get after it early. I like the over under on rounds. I like the the under one and a half, but I like Sergey as a parlay piece. I know we've been talking a little bit about parlay pieces tonight. I'm looking at Sergey Spivak as being a parlay piece as well. So you like Sergey, Polar Bear, great nickname, Cox sure. Mountain Warrior 101. Sure. 100%. Jared, though, nicknamed the Mountain. There's a reason. The dude is freaking massive. He's going to have that reach advantage. The the thing is, though, with a mountainous type guy like that, you're going to get a very like lumbering, just boom, boom, walking forward. Sergey is going to be the more active person. He's going to be the better kickboxer. He's going to put you know the volume out there. That's why I really like you know Sergey in this fight. I think that you know in this type of fight, the line at minus two forty five scares the hell out of me i like the over one and a half because i do think that jared is going to be very durable uh sergey is going to come in though he's going to start to pepper you um and i think again that output that um that volume that he could put out there should get him the win um i like the over one and a half more than i like this fight um but yeah i think you got to watch out because with that mountainous lumbering forward figure you're going to also have a lot of power behind those fists if you look at the two guys that Spivak has beat in the UFC, he beat Ty Tuivasa and Carlos Philippe. And both of those dudes are like round mound to rebound, Charles Barkley style shaped dudes. They are just big, heavy, plotty, flat footed, you know, lunchbox, lunchbox fist kind of guys. And Spivak dispatched both of them with relative ease. I think he does the same thing with Jared Vanderaw. He's got to he's got to survive the first three minutes of this fight, and then I think Spivak can get it done wherever he wants. He's a submission threat, and he's good with the hands. I like Spivak in this fight, man. I like it inside the distance. I like I I, mm. I like the I know you you're leaning the over. I like the under too, man, because I mm. think if Vanderaw is going to win, he's going to have to do it early. He's not going to get a late knockout or a late finish, and Spivak can get it done wherever he wants. So if Vanderall blows his, you know, water, whatever you want to call it, um, in the first couple of minutes trying to get Spivak out of there, it just literally just opens up the door for Spivak to do whatever it is that he wants to do. So I like an inside the distance play here too. I don't have the odds on it yet, but I'm looking at that as well. So I like Spivak in this fight. I like inside the distance as well because I don't see these guys going a, a full 15 minutes. No, Spivak is way more well-rounded. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I mean, when he submitted – Tie to Avasa, like, come on. Like, you don't do that with fat dudes. You don't get submitted. Um, I think Sergey is going to have, you know, the plethora of different things at his disposal. He's going to get this thing done. I just, I don't know, a mountainous figure that is Jared. Like, get a big guy out, out there unless you're just coming and swinging. I don't know, man. I like over one yeah. and a half, but I like inside the distance. I'm going to say this, because we're talking about nicknames and names in general. Uh, Jared Vanderaw's last win, do you know what, the cat, what that cat's name was? Mm-mm, no, Harry Hunsucker. 
Mm. <laughs> How's that for a name? How's that for a name? Put that on your put that on your license. Uh, yeah, Harry Hunsucker. All right, the guy Draco, never had no. He never had a chance in life, bro. Draco Rodriguez at seven and one. Amon Zahabi at seven and two. Here, I've been waiting for Draco Rodriguez to fight for a long time now, man. Um, I I I like betting on this guy. I think he's a viable prospect. I think he's I think he's going to move places in the UFC. I really like him in this fight. Do we have odds for this? I cannot find the odds for this one. Oh, I man. apologize. That's all right. Draco Rodriguez is at a minus 185. Amon Zahabi is at plus 155. Over on our rounds here, Trey, is at two and a half. Do you know who mm -hmm. either of these guys are? <laughs> of course, dude. The only reason that Zahabi is actually getting a little bit close to a pick -em in this fight is because of his brother, the famed trainer in uh, Faraz Zahabi. I think that Draco Rodriguez is by far and away better on the feet. I don't care if you're, you've got a famed striking coach that is your brother. I think that Draco Rodriguez is a game opponent. He's very, he cuts off angles. He moves in quickly and he's got pop in his jab. You know, we talked about job with uh, Kamara Usman. This is another guy who utilizes jab very well. He keeps you at distance from it, but he has an overhand right that can actually put you out. I think Zahabi is got, He's got the skills and he's got the foundation, but he doesn't have anything that's going to put you out. He's a decision player through and through. I think over two and a half, if you want to sprinkle some on, on Zahabi, it would be the overplay. Um, I think Draco Rodriguez can get this done. He can get it done quick. I actually like Draco inside the distance on this. Yeah. Uh, 420 wits in the chat is saying, has anyone seen Zahabi fight before? Yes. Zahabi, if you remember, um, I think it's the uh, Hakardo Hamas highlight where it's the spinning elbow, the guy that he sends flying across the cage like a helicopter. Uh, I think it was I think it was Ricardo Ramos that did that to him. Uh, sent him, yeah, Ricardo Ramos. Uh, he threw that spinning back elbow and just sent, literally sent him like a top spinning across the cage. That was that was Sahabi. That's that's what happened there. Um, so we have seen him fight before. He also has a decision loss to Vince Morales as well. I, I don't recall that fight off the top of my head. It was back in 2019. But I, uh, I do know, I mean, obviously, we've seen Ricardo Ramos fight since then. Every time you see Ricardo Ramos fight, you get to see that highlight of him hitting Zahabi with that elbow and sending him flying. So uh, I have seen him fight. Haven't been impressed, but I have seen him fight. All right, we got a lot of fights here. Let's cover some ground real quick here, uh, Trey. Shana Dobson at 4-4 four and four, taking on King Casey O'Neill, finally making her UFC debut, a long-awaited debut for Miss Casey O'Neill here. Uh, Casey O'Neill is the favorite. Do we have odds for this one? Yes. Sorry. It's hard to find them because uh, they're not in order <coughs> at all. Um, I, I will find them, but go ahead with your assessment here. Okay. I like, I listen, I like Casey O'Neill. She is a finisher and she is hyper aggressive. The only concern I have is that Shayna Dobson's coming off that win over uh, what's her name? Maria Agapova, who is another super, highly aggressive creative striker and Agapova just essentially had no gas tank management looked awful. And then Shana Dobson was the biggest betting upset of the year last year in 2020. I think she was somewhere North of plus 800 and she was able to get that upset when she does fight out of team elevation. She does know what she's doing. She trains with good people, uh, super salty record at four and four plus one fifteen. Casey O'Neill minus minus one forty five over and around the two and a half. Decent fight to bet under two and a half if you are 
in the in betting women's MMA for finishes. This is a decent one to look at. Shayna Dobson plus one fifteen because it's so close to Casey O'Neill. I might not play Shayna, but that would immediately tamper with with the experiment I said I was going to do. So I guess I kind of locked myself into playing Shayna Dobson here. Don't without really it. without really even Jeez. thinking about it so no, uh don't, yeah, don't I, th- do it. I think i'll play shana dobson on saturday oh my god don't do it and i'll tell you exactly why you're like even though she's she's part of team elevation which i heard like rose namayunas is now training there um you know you've got montana de la rosa they, dude the freaking cream of the crops going to team elevation as of recently but casey o'neill while you know she has a good good record in the amateur series um, she's someone that is amazing, amazing at grappling um, and wrestling. And Shanna Dobson, what does she suck at? Wrestling or anything on the ground. So this is a quintessential striker versus grappler. I'm going to go with the grappler 1,000%. Here's a fun fact for you, Dale. This is a super fun fact. On the entire UFC roster, there's only one person that is still active that has had through and through a win one lose one record back and forth their entire career. And that is Shana Dobson. So so just tell me this. Shana Dobson won her last fight. Correct. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but if she won her last fight, she's probably going to... Statistically, she's going to lose this next one. You're absolutely right. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That's where I was getting at. Yeah. What I wonder, though, is that Casey O'Neill, in my opinion, um, given the hype behind her, should be a bigger betting favorite than this. And Vegas is showing Shayna Dobson a lot more love than they should be for some, or not necessarily than they should be, than what you would anticipate, I guess, is a better way to put it for somebody that is four and four with a win one, lose one record. Um, yeah, granted, Casey O'Neill is five and oh as a professional, but she is the number one ranked women's flyweight coming out of Australia. So what do you, I mean, there is something to that. You're also talking about a chick that's, I don't know, man. I I just feel like in my, my personal assessment, if I was going to handicap these, I'd have it closer to Casey O'Neill in the minus 200 range uh, and have Shayna Dobson somewhere at the, the plus 150 plus 165 area. But that's just me. That's just me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's let let's rifle through these next ones real quick. All right, Julian Rosa, Nate Landwehr, Julian Rosa at twenty four and eight, Nate Landwehr at fourteen and three. I think that Nate Landwehr gets it done. This fight is out of pick him over under rounds at two and a half. I'm high on Nate Landwehr. I think he lost the fight to Darren Elkins, but I still think he's a fantastic fighter that gives a lot of people a lot of problems. Julian Rosa is a has a wealth of experience. This will be his thirty second pro fight, I believe. Something like that has wins over. Uh, quite a few quality opponents. Um, yeah, I, I, I like, um, I like Nate Landwehr in this fight. I think he's a, I think he's a decent parlay piece. Again, a guy that's going to fight for your money every single time. So I'm going to go with Nate Landwehr here. Minus 115. What do you got? Yeah, I feel like Nate Landwehr is not getting um, the respect that he should. I mean, obviously he was met with Herbert Burns in his UFC debut, which went horribly. And then to your point, uh, he did not look good against Darren Elkins, even though he got the win. Um, Nate Landwehr, though, go back and look at his M1 fights. The dude was an absolute freaking savage. Um, He's a guy that, you know, if you start to piss him off, you start to fight in close quarters, he's going to start to dominate and throw hands. He's extremely durable. Julian Arosa is also kind of a die on a shield type person. 
Um, I think Julian's going to obviously have a little bit of a reach advantage, but I just think that when you get inside with Nate Landwehr, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get dirty. I'm going to go with a bit of a brawler here in Nate for sure. All right. Next fight on the card, John Castaneda at 17 and five, taking on Eddie Wineland. Eddie Wineland, OG of the game, one of the best mustaches around, taking on a John Castaneda. Eddie Wineland at 24 and 14 and one. John Castaneda at 17 and five. Eddie Wineland a minus 105. John Castaneda at a minus 125. Overrun rounds here, Trey, is at two and a half. Eddie Wineland has looked a little rough as of late, carries those hands a little, a little low. Uh, has an unorthodox striking style, but he is one of the more physically strong bantamweights out there. But is that physical strength going to be enough to get a guy like John Castaneda out of there who has pretty pinpoint striking, man? I'm a big fan of the accuracy of this guy. I know he's coming off a loss to Nathaniel Wood uh, prior to that, a win over Marcelo Rojo. I, I think that John Castaneda can get it done against a guy like Eddie Wineland, but Eddie Wineland is going to have to lean on some veteran experience if he wants a chance at getting a W because this we have seen uh, a guy like Eddie Wineland uh, beef offered up to the prospect time and time again, and most times he does not pass that test. Uh, I would love to take Eddie Wineland here, but much like you have told me, you're making me regurgitate my own words over and over again. The apex has been a sacrificial mount where we have seen legends of the game uh, offered up to the MMA gods, and I believe uh, I really in my heart want to go with Eddie Wineland here, but man, it might be his time, bro. It might be his time. And the apex might just be the place where it, where it happens. I don't know. My heart's kind of too invested in this one to really, really, you know, uh, not bet unintelligently. I, my heart says Eddie Wineland, my wallet says Castaneda probably gets it done. Dude, I, I'm telling you this, Eddie Wineland, people forget this is a guy that was a title contender. You know, his fight against Hen and Burrell, this is a guy that was a no-joke fighter in that featherweight division. But the problem is, at 36 years old, and you take a knockout like you did against Sean O'Malley, you don't come back from that. Well, you've mm. said this a, a bunch of times against fighters that get clipped either super heavy or go through absolute wars. It's hard to get back. If you remember, dude, when he got knocked out by Sean O'Malley, who's a much more explosive fighter than John Castaneda is going to be, John Castaneda is going to have pinpoint striking. He, just like he said, he's got great striking. I don't think he's going to be as explosive as Sean O'Malley, but he's going to have pinpoint striking. Eddie Wyland, when he got clipped by Sean O'Malley, when he was reaching back up, it was kind of like, God? Like, he was fucking out. Eddie Wyland, full-time firefighter, love him, USA, USA, freaking vet of the game. But, dude, it's his time. This is it. This is a pedestal for John Castanel. He's going to get it done. I just hope Eddie Wyland doesn't get finished inside the distance. I like that Vegas doesn't believe that's going to happen either at two and a half. But John Castanel should get this done. Um, I'm going with him. I think he'll get it done by decision. I would love to be wrong on this fight. I would love Eddie Wineland to turn back the clock and beat John Castanot. I want to be very clear on that. Who I want to win the fight is Eddie Wineland. Who I think is probably going to win the fight is John Castanot. Mm -hmm. I just want I just I want to be very clear when I say that. Um, yeah. All right. Dracar close taking on a a late replacement here uh, in Luis Pena. Luis Pena at eight and three. Dracar close at eleven two and one. Dracar close minus one eighty five taking on Luis Pena. At plus 155, over and around is at two and a half. My problem with Luis Pena is that when he's on, he's on. And when he's off, he's really off. And when he's off, he's got quit in him. And I don't like guys that have quit in him, man. Um, Luis Pena will check out of a fight. 
and that bugs me. That bugs me a lot. Jakar on the other hand, when he is on and he's using his wrestling and he's mixing up the takedowns and he's good with his, his hands look decent. He, he does very, very well. He was doing very well against your boy, Benny Dariush until Dariush caught him and completely flipped that fight upside down. He was doing very well in that fight. That's a fight where I had your close beating Benil Dariush. We, we picked that fight and I was on, I was on your close and you were on Benny and you got to rub that in my face. But dude, I'm telling you, um, I think your close is a great fighter. He's going to have to bully Luis Pena to win this fight. If he allows Pena to stay at range, Dracar Close is getting knocked out. Um, he has got to control the distance. He has got to take Pena down. He has got to make this fight ugly. This has to be a boring fight for Dracar Close to win it. Uh, if he does not do that, then Luis Pena gets it done. Maybe a small sprinkle if you're looking at fun parlays. Um, you know, you can get Luis Pena uh, in there, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I think he has a decent chance of winning the fight. I'm just not super confident in his ability to get it done. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Luis Pena, though, he's a massive dude for that division. So while yeah. your car close is going to have the wrestling, dude, you got a six foot, six foot dude that's coming in that's going to actually weigh super heavy come fight time. Luis Pena is a nightmare, dude, for that division. Um, but he does have quit in him. Um, he's not living up to his potential. His striking mm. and keeping things at distance hasn't shown to be, you know, what it should be. Um, I'm a little bit worried about Jakar Close, though. He's a dude that does not have a head coach right now. He does not have a legit camp. He's been bouncing around. Luis Pena, I think he moved to ATT uh, from AKA, if i correct. I know he moved to ATT. Um, he's a dude that's ready to go. Um, he's primed, even though this is short notice. Um, Dale just left the video, so I'm on by myself. That's totally fine. Uh, but I like Luis Penny on this fight, even short notice, plus money. I'm going to take it. Um, Drakkar Close should get this fight done, but Luis Penny is a game opponent. I love his new camp, and I think he has got a new fire under him. Uh, this is, dude, I'm taking plus money here. Taking the plus money? Mm hmm. All right, man. I can get on board with that. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm never mad at plus money. I think maybe you might take it a little too often, but I'm never mad at plus money. All right. Let's see here. Jared Gordon, 16 and 4, taking on Danny Chavez at 11 and 3. Jared Gordon plus 105, Danny Chavez minus 135. Over and around here, Trey is at two and a half. Here's my cons- here's here's my inside the pocket bet, right? Mm-hmm. Is the amount of times that they mention that Jared Gordon is in recovery. That's what I want to talk about. I think that I think that we are going to hear no less than two and a half times. I'll go the over-under on two and a half that Jared Gordon used to be a drug addict and that he's in recovery. That's what I think. I had, I didn't know he was a drug addict. I thought you were going to say recovery because the dude has probably the gnarliest glass jaw on the entire UFC roster. Oh, wow. Glass jaw, Jared Gordon. Really? That's a bold Yeah, take. so I thought you were saying the recovery from that, recovery from having a shitty chin, but you're saying he had a drug issue? Yeah, for a long I think he's been I think he's been sober for like nine years, but that's his big it's his big thing. And listen, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from people that are in recovery. Um, I no. wish you all the best. However, uh, the UFC it, it, more important. I'm going to talk to Anik about this when the when the time comes. Um, the idea of bringing up these past things, right? Um, if you remember the Andre Yule Chris Gutierrez fight on Saturday, where they brought up that both of those guys were dealing with custody issues with their kids. How that was relevant to the fight whatsoever <laughs> is a mystery to me, yeah. but that's the thing that they decided to bring up. And they love bringing up the fact that Court McGee was a drug addict, and they love yeah. bringing up the fact 
that Jared Gordon was a drug addict and that he's in recovery and that he's he's been sober for, I think, nine years now. So uh, hats off to Jared Gordon. But that is something I'm telling you, two and a half over under on over under on time uh, times it's mentioned two and a half. I like two and a half under if we're going to speak about two and a half. I think that Jared Gordon <laughs> relies on one thing and one thing only, and that is his wrestling. I think that Danny Chavez can put him out. I don't think that Jared Gordon, I've said this a billion times, it is the most brittle thing. It is peanut brittle chin. That's what he has. Danny Chavez, get inside, make it ugly, utilize some of those elbows. Jared Gordon will fall unless he's shit-faced and on drugs. He's not, he's not going to do it. He's not going to be that. Uh, I wish Jared Gordon all the best. So you're taking Danny Chavez here? I'm taking Danny Chavez. All right. Outstanding. All right, my man, the featured prelim. We finally made it. Phil Hawes taking on Nasruddin Imovov. This fight was booked for a few weeks ago, and it got pushed back. Here we are now. Phil Hawes at 9-2, and two, Nasruddin Imovov at 9-2 and two as well, uh, as far as the betting odds are concerned. Failed on putting odds for this one as well. So. Bro, we we're just, we need producer Jake back. Wow, producer Jake. I have no idea what to do with my hands, bro. That's all right. Nasruddin Imovov is at minus 105. Phil Hawes is at a minus 125. Damn near a pick em. Uh, It is what it is in that regard. These guys have identical records. As I said, um, Imovov, in my opinion, is the more creative striker, while Hawes is going to hold a clear power advantage. Um I am going to lean Imovov here because I think that he can avoid the power of Phil Hawes long enough for Phil to get tired and then proceed to surgically pick him apart. I like an inside the distance play here. I think that's how both, I think that's the path of victory for both of these guys. Uh, Hawes early, Imovov late, but I like inside the distance. Yeah, when Imovov came into the UFC, he fought in October, and he fought um, Jordan Williams. And Jordan Williams is a super athletic fighter. I actually picked Jordan Williams to win that fight on Fight Island. The problem was, like, when you look at Phil Hawes, Phil Hawes is going to possess much more power than a Jordan Williams will. But Imovov implemented the game plan that I see him implementing with Phil Hawes is he's going to be that guy that's going to clinch heavy. He's going to lay heavy. He's going to keep it up against the cage and not allow you to exercise your heavy striking. Phil Hawes 100% is going to have the better, heavier striking, but I'm always going to lean with the guy that's going to lean heavy, wrestle heavy, and not allow you to exercise what your best thing is in striking. So I like Imovov in this. I think it's going to be very drawn out, um, but I think that take the plus money. Let's do it, dude. All right, man. Well, it's, I mean, it's at a pick them. So, what are you just taking Haas or what are you taking Imovov? Like, oh, you, shit. It's a pick them. Well, then I'm I'm just taking Imovov. Well, Imovov's minus 105. Haas, I think, is a minus 125. I said so. Uh, oh. Imovov's closer to plus money, but it's still not plus. Okay. But 95 cents to the dollar on your return, not too bad. Not too bad. Okay. Um, so, all right, man, that wraps it up. On Friday, we're going to put out all of our picks, correct? Dude, I could put out my pick right now. I'm fucking done. Okay. Do you want to do you want to put your pick out? Do you know what it is? Do you know what your picks are? Do you want to go ahead and say? I mean, we're going to release them on Instagram anyway. Um, but do you want to go ahead and tell everybody what you're betting now? Yeah. I mean, I'm done. Okay. 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 Well, what is it? What are you playing? Sorry, I'm pulling it back up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh man. Hey, Let here's the thing. You... Here's the thing. 
I have twenty dollars and sixty nine cents left in my account here. I'm going Correct. to make it a thousand dollars. I'm the most fucking competitive person you've ever met in your entire life, and I know you know that. Some of the listeners may not know. Does it scare me that I have twenty dollars left? That I've got to make it to a thousand with three events left? Absolutely not, dude. I put this jean jacket on for a reason, dude. It's business time. I put my business socks on. I put my pants on today. Here we go. I've got a four leg parlay that I'm playing. I put all twenty dollars and sixty nine cents on. Freaking Sex Panther Cologne. Here we go. What do you I've got? got? Bottom of top, dude. I'm going Casey O'Neill money line. Gonna murder Shana Dobson. Then little plus money like we talked about with Chaz Skelly, dude. Gonna absolutely murder Jamal Emers. Then, just like we talked about, Mazardin Imamov, dude. That guy is going to wet blanket the shit out of Phil Haas. And then finally. Like I said, Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades over one and a half. That right there at $20.69 is going to produce $292.01. Once I get back to that foundation, dude, I'm in motion. I'm in motion. All right. I'm not in a glass case of emotion. I'm in motion. It is my hope. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It is my sincere hope that that parlay hits. It's my sincere, <laughs> it's my sincere hope that, that that parlay hits. Um, okay. I, I hope it does. I would love to see you go from 20 bucks to $310.20 or whatever it is that you'll end on uh, after after that hits. So my, my, my thoughts and prayers, I'll burn some sage to the MMA gods for you. Um, I hope that that parlay hits. I'm excited. I, I'm I'm not I'm not telling you any of my plays until Friday. Do you think it's a good 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 parlay though? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a good parlay. I think I think it's good. You think it's good? Okay. I think it's good, man. I think you're gonna do all right. I think you're gonna do all right. Okay, sick. My dad thought it was the same thing, so that's cool. Your dad thought it was a good parlay. <laughs> yeah, he, th- he thought it was cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, he's he's no shit about MMA, but he thought it was cool. Yeah. He thought it was cool. All right. Well, listen, nobody in the chat's telling you that it's terrible. So I think you're doing all right. All right. Let's put the bow (laughs) on this bad boy. Guys, if you don't follow the show, please do on all social media channels. We're at Punchless MMA. Absolutely everywhere. Appreciate everybody that listens to the show. Follows, shares, likes, subscribes, does all the good stuff, comments on anything, and and really supports the show in any way they can. Best way to support the show is by supporting the show's sponsors. Go to Stay Classy Meats. Use promo code FIST. Saves 10% on the entire thing. You can also go to Allegiance Clothing. Use promo code PUNCH. Save 15%. And don't forget the limited edition Athlete T 2.0 Season 2 of the Punchlist MMA Podcast t-shirt is available at Allegiance Clothing right now. You can still buy the shirt, and you can do so using promo code PUNCH. Save 15% on the entire thing. Uh, we've had a couple orders come in already. People from the great, uh, I mean, I almost said great state, but that's not I don't, that's not, not accurate. Uh, overseas, England, right? Great Britain? Sure. I think that's where I think that's where that was at. I saw. Um, so we've got the the, the punchless tees going worldwide, man. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and get after it. Listen, I appreciate everybody that supports the show, supports us, supports the show through the sponsors. I appreciate everybody, uh, and I will talk to everybody. Trey will talk to everybody on this week, and then Friday and Saturday as well. We are looking towards doing a watch party uh, for an event, probably going to be the triple title fight. We'll do a, we're looking at doing a 
uh, a watch party with that. So the event, what is that, March 6th? March 5th, whenever that triple title fight is, we'll possibly do a YouTube live watch party with that. So make sure we have enough content for you guys and have enough stuff to give away to keep it lively, interesting, all that kind of good stuff. So until yeah. what? March 6th. Who who will be co-hosting with you on March 2nd when I'm on vacation? That would be one and only John Anik. Mm, okay, cool. So I'm fully fired. Sick. No, you're not fully fired. You're just... Uh, just John Anik is coming on the show. He's going to give us an hour of his time. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to break down all those fights. And then we're also going to perhaps get into a little bit of, you know, his origin story, superhero origin story, if you will, how we got into broadcasting and everything else. So, um, yeah, it should be a good show. I'm looking forward to it. I love it. I'm excited. I'm excited for it as well. All right, guys, appreciate everybody that tuned in. Uh, support the show through the show, show sponsors. Follow us everywhere you possibly can. Appreciate you. Be good to each other. Bang, bang.